Um, right, we've got our reading now, and if you'd like to turn to Psalm 45, uh, which is on page 565 of the Church Bibles. Page 565, and it's Psalm 45. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride out victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you. And the oil of gladness beyond your companions... Your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From ivory palaces, stringed instruments make you glad. Daughters of kings are among your ladies of honour. At your right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. Hear, O daughter, and consider, and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house. And the king will desire your beauty, since he is your lord, bow to him. The people of Tyre will seek your favour with gifts, the riches of all people, of the people. All glorious is the princess in her chamber, with robes interwoven with gold. In many coloured robes she is led to the king, with her virgin companions following behind her. With joy and gladness they are led along, as they enter the palace of the king. In place of your fathers shall be your sons. You will make them princes in all the earth. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. Well, thank you, Phil. And uh, do keep that um, psalm uh, open there. And let me uh, pray for us um, before we look at it together. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for this psalm, this song, Uh, and may its words, uh, your words, fall on good soil and produce fruit in our lives for our good and your glory. Amen. Um, Well, what lifts your spirits? A feel-good movie? Uh, Top Gun Maverick, uh, perhaps. I still haven't got to see that um, yet. I certainly want to. Um, A meal out perhaps with friends or family. That's definitely another tonic for me. A good holiday. I certainly understand that one. I love a bit of time off. Uh, But that's what these things turn out to be, isn't it? Time off. So uh, life's punctuation marks separating sentences of, well, struggle, frankly. There's the daily grind of work, paid or unpaid, 
The constant stream of admin it takes for our homes, our lives to function. Family and relationship issues or, or loneliness. Health and money problems. The battles within ourselves. And very real tragedies which hit us or those we love. And that's even before contemplating our inevitable end, uh, death. How are your spirits these days? Probably a bit lower after that uh, list. Um, But they can't really be lower than at the end of Psalm 44. Just look above our psalm, verse 25 of Psalm 44. Our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. Well, Psalm 45 is a song to truly lift our spirits, to give us a joy which can last for life and which can see us through all that we have to face. Just look at the transformation from Psalm 44 in verse 1 of our psalm, Psalm 45. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. The writer is full of it, overflowing and raring to share his joy in song. Uh, What is it that makes his spirit soar? Well, it's a royal wedding, the most magnificent of royal weddings. Uh, We get a little of the atmosphere in verse 8. The fragrances, the king's robes, fragrant with myrrh, aloes, cassia. The music, stringed instruments making the king glad. The setting, palaces of ivory. This is a right royal occasion. And filled with joy, the king has, verse 7, gladness which surpasses all others. Now, uh, a royal occasion can lift the spirits. Uh, The platinum jubilee of our queen sparked four days of celebration. uh, And Britain's spirits probably needed lifting after two years of COVID in the middle of a cost of living crisis and with the dreadful scenes of Putin's war on Ukraine, filling our screens for weeks uh, on end. Uh, But as we look at this royal occasion uh, in Psalm 45, I hope we'll see that its capacity to lift spirits dwarfs and certainly outlasts any positive effect the Jubilee uh, had on us. (coughs) Uh, Now, Psalms were and are songs uh, to join in with. Uh, In this song, we're asked to sing first of the king in verses two to nine, and then of his bride up to verse 15 before a couple of closing verses, and we'll follow that uh, scheme. So first, uh, the king. There's his beauty. He's the most handsome of men, verse two. Uh, And that beauty lies particularly um, in his virtue. Um, the song turns immediately, doesn't it, to his grace-filled speech. Grace is poured upon your lips. There's his victory. He's a victorious warrior king. Verse 3, gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. He rides out victoriously, verse 4. His arrows hit the hearts of his enemies, verse 5. 
the nations, the peoples fall under him. <coughs> and what uh, a victory. Uh, the victory this king wins is, verse 4, for truth, for meekness or humility, and for righteousness or justice. Now, what a contrast to Putin's campaign, characterized by lies instead of truth, pride instead of humility, and injustice. And we sing of the king's rule. The rule matches his reason for going to war. It's a reign of absolute goodness. His scepter, verse 6, is a scepter of uprightness. Wonderfully, verse 7, he loves righteousness and hates wickedness. What a king. Um, Our world could certainly do with one like that. But history has never produced one, has it? All uh, as the people of Israel joined in this royal wedding song then, as we read it now, the thought has to creep in. Come on, this is a bit over the top. No king could really be like this. And that's right in that uh, the psalm was probably written for the wedding of King Solomon, and uh, he didn't turn out in the end to be such a king. But the song ultimately uh, isn't written for a merely human king. Now, the king whose wedding this psalm is really about is God himself. Verse 6, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. This king is God, uh, and yet somehow also anointed by God. Uh, Verse 7, therefore God, your God, has anointed you. Well, we know that there is such a king, King Jesus, fully human, but also fully God, and yet separate from God the Father. Now, this isn't to read too much into these verses. The New Testament insists they are about Jesus. Hebrews 1, uh, 8 to 9 quotes them as being about him. Uh, And so perhaps we can begin to see how this royal wedding song might lift our spirits in uh, 21st century Tunbridge Wells, because it's not really about some king in the Middle East thousands of years ago. It's about our king, the king of kings, King Jesus. And we can join in this song absolutely wholeheartedly about him, singing of his beauty, especially in his virtue. He is, as Hebrews 1 says, the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And his speech is grace-filled. No one ever spoke like this man. That from John 7. And he has, as Peter says in John 6, the words of eternal life. We can certainly sing of his victory It's a victory over our true enemies, that horrible trio of sin, so our rejection of God. It's wages, death, and the devil. It's a victory Jesus has already won. Uh, Colossians 2 says of our unpayable debt to God, which our sin has incurred, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And Colossians continues, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them 
in Jesus. Uh, It's a victory we can be sure of because of the resurrection. Jesus didn't just have the words of eternal life. His resurrection shows us it's real. Uh, And that reality will become absolutely plain when this warrior king returns to remake all things new. Revelation 19 pictures him riding out on a white horse. And it is a victory won for truth and justice. The one sitting on the white horse is, says Revelation 19, called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. It was certainly won with meekness. Uh, Philippians 2, Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Doesn't this lift our spirits, sin, death, and the devil, those enemies of ours, responsible in one way or another for everything which drags us down here and now. They've lost. They've been defeated by King Jesus at the cross, as proved by the resurrection and as will be seen by all one day when he returns uh, to rule. And that rule will be a reign of absolute goodness, one that goes on forever. The new creation will be perfect and permanent. That's the rule that we can sing of even now as we join in with verses 6 and 7. Here, can I suggest, are reasons for joy deeper even than watching Rod Stewart strut out Sweet Caroline in front of uh, Buckingham Palace. But let's not forget the occasion. It's a wedding, so there must be a bride. What about her? Well, the song turns to her from the end of verse 9, and we see her splendor. Her dress, verse 13, is gloriously interwoven with gold. In fact, verse 9, with the gold of Ophir, the very best of gold. Uh, The average sum spent on a wedding dress in the UK is £1,300, but that wouldn't get you one of these. Uh, And then there are her wedding gifts. She's showered with the most lavish of gifts. Verse 12, the people of Tyre, uh, who were famously wealthy, uh, will seek your favour with gifts, the richest of the people. This is no set of uh, tea towels or even cups with matching uh, saucers. We're invited too to sing of her joy. The marriage brings her great joy. Verse 15, with joy and gladness, they, so the bride and her entourage, are led along as they enter the palace of the king. Well, if Jesus is the king, who then is this royal bride? Well, the answer is the church. The church. So all those who follow Jesus. If we're believers in Jesus, this is us. That the bride is the church is plain from Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church 
and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Uh, Paul goes on to say of the mystery of marriage, it refers to Christ and the church. Uh, This isn't then a royal wedding to watch from afar. Uh, Not even one we're just invited to. Uh, No, it's our wedding. Uh, If we're those who follow Jesus, this is where we're headed. Uh, The songwriter we've seen from verse 1 was bursting with joy just writing about it. How much more should it lift our spirits? This is our wedding. And just as we can sing this song wholeheartedly about the king, wonderfully we can sing of the bride, so of the church, with the same conviction. We will be beautiful, splendid, so sharing the purity of Christ, despite our obvious unloveliness now, because his work on the cross means we will then be how he sees us even now, so without blemish. The gifts in store for us on that day are lavish. We looked at one Peter in the evenings recently. Peter described what will be ours as an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And we'll have a deep, unshakable and everlasting joy. Uh, In Revelation 19, we read of the voice of a great multitude saying, let us rejoice for the marriage of the Lamb. So Jesus has come and his bride has made herself ready. Uh, Do you know which country is ranked as the happiest country in the world? Uh, It's Finland, uh, for the fifth year in a row, apparently. Well, verse 7 tells us that Jesus is happier even than the Finns. He's been anointed with the oil of gladness beyond anyone. Don't let anyone tell you Jesus is a killjoy. There has never been a joy like his. That's the joy we'll come to share as his bride. Uh, The American pastor John Piper writes, the city of God is a city of joy. And that joy is the unshakable joy uh, of Christ. Uh, For my wedding to my wife, uh, Katie, some friends of ours wrote a poem And we still have it framed in our uh, bedroom. It's a lovely reminder of a fabulous day. And I smile whenever uh, I look at it. And perhaps we should all have Psalm 45 framed. Because it's a reminder of an even more fabulous day. Which is yet to come. And whenever we contemplate that. It has to lift our spirits. And surely we need that to help us keep going as believers, to help us deal with all that this life throws at us. Uh, The Canadian pastor Don Carson uh, has written, uh, preaching and teaching that do not constantly make heaven the Christian's hope and goal are not only unfaithful to the scriptures, but rob believers of one of the most important perspectives for helping them to cope with pressures here and now. Well, Psalm 45 gives us that perspective that we need.
and it must help. Uh, I remember in the run-up to getting married to Katie, not much else mattered. I was like a kid on uh, Christmas Eve. The anticipation of that day coloured everything else. Well, to take Psalm 45 to heart will allow the anticipation of that final wedding day, uh, the wedding day of which all others are just a pale picture, to colour everything about our lives now, to give us a joy which sustains us through all we have to face. Uh, To try and help us in that direction, I've put some verses there from Revelation to look at briefly in little groups for uh, five minutes uh, and just be asking together, um, is this how we think um, about our future? And then we'll come back together in uh, five minutes. Come back um, together there, and I hope you enjoyed uh, thinking about where we're headed. Uh, and I want to suggest now that uh, that won't only lift our spirits, it'll also help us raise our game uh, in making changes. Because, uh, like any marriage, uh, this one involves changes. So it involves leaving, leaving behind other things. Verse 10, hear, O daughter, and consider, and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. Uh, Leaving is God's pattern. Uh, My boy Henry was looking at uh, Genesis 12 in Rock Solid uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. So Abram went. Those first disciples left their nets, left their boats to follow Jesus. And just as any bride leaves her family to become a new family with uh, their husband, we are increasingly to leave behind our old ways, our old sinful ways, to become his bride. So it involves leaving, and it involves submitting to Jesus. Verse 11, since he's your Lord, bow to him. Now, submission is a stumbling block for all of us to some degree. I mean, how could it be otherwise? Sin, that sickness we all have, is the rejection of God's rule, the desire to be in charge ourselves, but submit, so decide to follow his ways, not ours. We must, for our own good. After all, the bride in this psalm isn't marrying some abusive husband. No, she's marrying the only one who has truly ever loved righteousness and hated wickedness. The one who said, this come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light submission to this husband is sweet but it can be hard to leave our old ways and hard to submit. But it's surely easier if we look where we're headed, 
if we will come to him. So decide to leave and decide to submit. Our future beyond death is a glorious wedding. If we won't come, if we won't come, verse 5 is a warning. The nations, the peoples will fall under this warrior king. I plan to go to a couple of Shakespeare plays up at the Globe uh, in London this summer. And it's been pointed out that uh, all Shakespeare's tragedies end in death and all his comedies end in weddings. Uh, The evangelist Glenn Scrivener writes, therefore, that uh, a comedy is shaped like a smile. You go down, then up, descending into darkness before rising up to joy. A tragedy, on the other hand, is shaped like a frown, up then down. You climb to prosperity, then tumble into the pit. Uh, And so life without Jesus is a tragedy. Uh, This dismal tale is sold to us, he writes, in every magazine and paperback. The thousand books you must read before you die. The ten must-see destinations for your bucket list. The shape of the story is up then down and the advertisers are primed to sell you the uppiest up that money can buy because the down really is a downer. The photographs are glossy but they mask an unutterable tragedy. Life according to the wisdom of the age is about enjoying our brief moment in the sun. We clamber upwards, grab for ourselves all the achievements, experiences and pleasures that we can And then so soon we're over the hill and the grave awaits. It's up then down, the frowny face, the tragedy. Uh, If you're not yet a believer, the invitation then is to live a smile instead of a frown, a comedy instead of a tragedy. Uh, And please don't dismiss it as wishful thinking. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien knew a thing or two about inventing stories, whole worlds, in fact. He knew the story of this king who died to save us and rose again in victory, ready to receive us as his bride on the last day, is true. He wrote, there's no tale ever told that men would rather find was true and none which so many skeptical men have accepted as true on its merits. Well, if we are those who trust in Jesus, uh, let's allow this psalm to lift our spirits. We're living a smile because we're heading to a wedding. Uh, I went to a lunchtime concert by a flamenco guitarist last week. Uh, He said, it's impossible not to feel better about life after hearing a rumba. Well, It really is impossible not to feel better about life after singing of this uh, wedding. Uh, And it's a wedding which is only the beginning, only the beginning of the rest of our eternal lives. Lives spent sharing his rule uh, as, uh, using a different metaphor, princely sons, verse 16, and verse 17, praising our king forever. Queen Elizabeth II has reigned for a long time, 70 years. But her reign with the king she already serves and her praise of him will be infinite. And so will ours. The smile 
will last forever. Uh, Don't let me dissuade you from uh, movies, meals out, and holidays. I'm going to keep enjoying those things, speaking for myself. Uh, But real power to persevere through life comes from pondering this wedding. That certain joy of tomorrow will give the strength we need for today. Uh, As it did for Jesus, who says Hebrews 12, for the joy set before him endured the cross. Well, there's a couple more discussion questions to look at um, together in a moment, but just let me pray before you do that. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus, his beauty, his victory, uh, his rule, and for all that is in store for us as his bride. Uh, May we look to and long for that wedding day and help us now leave our old ways and submit to Jesus, making his ways ours as we prepare for that day. Amen.